Finance Podcast. I'm your host, Yulia Chutina, Senior Reporter at Tearsheet. September is just around the corner, and we are bringing some new exciting events on your calendar. I'm excited to invite you to Tearsheet's Power of Payments Conference on September 15th at current Chelsea Piers in New York City. We're going to have a day full of critical insights and discussions, as well as in-person networking opportunities. This conference is primarily designed for senior management of financial institutions, fintechs, investors, and consultants. However, there's also limited space for other key stakeholders. So if you want to be among those special few decision makers, head over to apply for tickets on our website, and I'll also provide you with the link in the podcast episode description. Moving on to our podcast episode today, we are chatting with Trenton Allen, CEO of Sustainable Capital Advisors, a DC-based financial advisory firm serving the sustainable infrastructure industry. Trenton is an expert in energy and capital markets, and he leads the firm's efforts behind connecting developers and capital providers to support global sustainable infrastructure projects. He has lots of insightful things to share with us, so let's dive right in. Thank you, Trenton, for joining me in this podcast. I'm super excited to have you as a guest. We always have great conversations about climate change, sustainability, and how the finance industry intersects with all of these issues. You're doing some great work as sustainable capital advisors, aiming to connect capital to sustainable solutions to help us meet the challenges of climate change. Um, There's an increasing recognition that capital markets can be a part of the solution by investing in projects that help us transition to a net zero future. Can you give us some details over how the sector has evolved over the past few years and what it looks like at the moment? Thank you for the opportunity to join you. And, and, and as you mentioned, I enjoyed our past conversations and looking forward to this one. Uh, I would say that the, the, the markets uh, itself have, have continually evolved with regards to sort of um, the interest in sustainable infrastructure. Um, and, and I use that term broadly, being everything from um, energy generation, clean energy generation, to water, to um, resiliency, to agriculture, to transportation, um, to our built environment. There, there's just a tremendous interest in thinking through how do we invest in the infrastructure um, that we need today um, that best um, helps us deal with uh, this, the, the, the changing climate and how do we become more resilient. And so as a result of this increased interest in this particular space, you're seeing a lot more uh, capital that's coming into these particular markets. Um, some capital providers um, have an understanding of infrastructure infrastructure finance. And so sort of an exp, uh, sort of a sort of really directed in really thinking through sort of traditional infrastructure projects, whether they might be toll roads or large, uh, large developments, uh, project developments. But then there's a lot of other capital that's coming in thinking through sort of how do we uh, really mobilize um, the funding necessary to uh, affect uh, sort of a larger transformation. Um, and so the, the, the capital and, you know, from sort of large institutions all the way down to individuals, there's an increase in this particular market that, um, you know, a decade ago or even more, um, you know, we, we were hoping would be there. Um, but now we see really the interest being built sort of in, from, from the bottom up all the way, um, from the bottom all the way to the top with regards to the, the sort of the scale and size of investors. And so that's really, really um, uh, a good thing to see 
and have in our particular markets because it gives us a chance to grow and also meet the, the challenge of climate change that we have before us. That's awesome. So how are investors thinking about climate risk and sustainability? Are there genuine concerns or perhaps more of a focus on the opportunities available? What's the general mentality of the investment community that's participating in the sustainable investment sector? Investors are diverse. It's not a monolith um, that is out there. Um, there. There are those investors, as described before, who are looking at opportunities as pure infrastructure investments and infrastructure plays. Um, and, and those are looking to provide capital to large scale, um, um, you know, wind farms, large scale um, solar installations, um, larger scale, uh, uh, other types of what, what are more known um, sort of market tested uh, clean energy technologies. And, and, and that's there and that's of interest. And, and, and you're seeing much more of a traditional infrastructure sort of market and players that are, that are participating in that. And you have um, pension funds who are looking into those particular ways, insurance companies. Um, you also have, uh, you know, uh, some, some private equity funds and other types of large funds who are really sort of driving away and thinking through sort of how could they deploy their capital at scale, um, which is really, really uh, important. Then you see sort of this next band of projects, which are really um, thinking about sort of taking not necessarily the mature technologies, but um, uh, sort of uh, sort of have more of a venture type um, flavor to it. And so those can be technologies that are, uh, whether it might be uh, you know, sort of battery technology, it could be hydrogen production, could be uh, carbon capture sequestration, um, you name it sort of in this tier where there is um, what may be deemed as technology risk, but you see capital that's in there looking for markets that can explode um, and have the ability to have um, sort of a larger um, sort of, sort of increased markets over time, partly because of the excitement around a particular technology and how it can be deployed and deployed at scale with regards to being able to solve climate. And so you see sort of, you know, sort of a combination of private equity, some venture type capital that's interested in those particular um, types of technologies and trying to figure out sort of how do you unlock sort of, you know, sort of have enough demonstrations of successful projects that then allows for the markets to get more mature from an understanding of the technology. And then you start to see sort of the traditional investors being able to participate in those, those, those types of technologies. And then one of the things that we see as a trend you know, overall is sort of trying to align not just sort of climate impacts, um, but also impacts as it relates to environmental justice or inclusion. Um, and so we see a significant interest in uh, on the side of investors are trying to twin these types of impacts together, uh, climate and inclusion. And so that's being manifest in ways of thinking through a sort of how do they uh, provide capital for or provide uh, support for projects that are in um, um, uh, for, for projects in um, previously underserved communities, whether it be low-income communities, whether it can be communities of color. And that's generally through whether it might be energy efficiency upgrades that could be through the deployment of solar, um, particularly community solar types of projects. And so that's one of the other trends that we've seen, sort of an ability to thinking through not just sort of climate impacts, not just on uh, how do you grow a particular market, but, but also thinking through sort of how do we twin these together in a way that, that, that really sort of drives climate impacts, but also climate justice and inclusion 
um, in a way that has a much more intentional direction as far as how we think through this energy transition. That's amazing. I think it's incredibly important to have a holistic perspective on investing as opposed to just thinking of unit economics, but perhaps the industry is going to evolve more in that direction in the future. When investors reach out to you looking to deploy capital in sustainable projects, what are the questions they usually ask? What does that sort of onboarding process look like? The process when we engage with investors who are, who are looking to participate in a space usually sort of has two different sort of flavors. There's one, the investors who know exactly what they're looking for. So they've already gone through the questions of what is the return profile, what's the risk profile, um, what does this market look like that I'm trying to enter? And now it's just a question of how do I identify more opportunities that look like that, right? So, so there are some investors who have an understanding or are keenly aware of what they're doing, why they're doing it, and sort of what they're looking to expect. And so it's just a question of can we identify where these other where where these investment opportunities exist that we may not have access to through our particular networks and connections. And so we work with investors to do that. Um, but a large part that we have, you know, most of the time we are working with investors who are newer entrants into the space and they're trying to figure out those questions. What's the risk, what's the risk profile that we're looking? What's an education about a particular market? What do we, how do we, um, you know, sort of who are, who should we be partnering with? What are the types of returns that exist uh, in these particular areas? How do we create sort of a, um, uh, a portfolio or pipeline of projects that we can possibly invest in? And so our work, you know, with those sort of, sort of, you know, sort of, you know, investors who are, who are exploring the space um, really tends to really try to guide them within sort of understanding what it is as their particular um, sort of investment thesis, their investment approach, and then try to then work with them on how to figure out sort of where those projects exist that fit. Uh, we don't come to them with a ready-made solution about you should be investing in um, um, you know, community solar projects in the southeast part of the country. We don't have any particular um, sort of geography or technology. We're really trying to focus in on um, um, matching up sort of what their views of their particular capital and what they're trying to get from a return and uh, risk standpoint to align with what the market is actually able to um, produce. And in doing so, you know, our experience has been we're then able to, to have them successfully participate in a particular market. We're able to reduce some of the strain that exists with investors um, thinking that, you know, sort of as they're entering the market, sort of not having as much market intel about what opportunities exist and how do they get them? What do they look like? And uh, we, we are able to sort of provide uh, these particular investors with information that allows them to better make the best decisions about sort of what markets they're interested in entering and then how they actually execute in those. That's great. And actually here, I'm curious, are there opportunities and options for any kind of investor out there, whether they're a believer or non-believer in the wider cause? Because this topic of ESG and sustainable investments is starting to get quite politicized in the U.S. So I'm wondering if any investor could par still participate regardless of their belief system, let's say. Is there something for everyone to do when it comes to sustainable investments? I think so. I mean, you've hit, you've hit on really where, where we are at and we come from it, right? So, you know, the question for us specifically is uh, how do we think about the climate impact of invest 
right? So, so you know, we, we are focused, our work has been for over a decade, um, and my work for, you know, a lot longer than that, uh, has been around sort of climate and energy and environment, right? And so our focus has been on sort of how do we help our investors really think about, um, first and foremost, what their climate impact is, and then as some investors have, uh, as, as markets evolve, sort of how do we think about sort of how do we expand that opportunity for um, the climate impact into more areas across the country, across the globe, right? And so I think there is a space for this with regards to investors, um, sort of being able to look at uh, specifically the, um, the, the climate-friendly nature of financial products. And I think that's, that's key and it's important um, because it allows you to hopefully avoid some of the um, debates and conversations that are, that are happening out there with regards to ESG, which uh, has you know, become a, um, a term that has been challenged in a particular marketplace. And so one of the things that we've done, um, we were fortunate to receive funding from the Hewlett Foundation um, a year ago, um, to develop a, um, you know, sort of an, an online hub uh, for climate-friendly financial products. Um, and we started with one question. If you were looking to find a place to identify and really look for climate-friendly financial products, where would you go? Um, and after spending uh, a lot of uh, hours and days and weeks and even months, we found that we couldn't find one. And so what we did was with the support of Hewlett Foundation is to create one um, that we'll be launching um, later this summer um, to really provide this hub and it's called Ask Sustainable. And it really is sort of a, sort of a uh, database of all the climate friendly financial products um, in the United States. And what it does is just provides information so that I and yourself, you and others um, as investors can find a place for products that are marketed as climate friendly and to understand sort of how those products are priced, what's the returns, and then also have more information about sort of how they are impacting the climate and the environment. And we believe that becomes part of what's necessary when we think about sort of having a place or a home for investors to think through sort of how they can impact the environment and what's the impact of their particular dollars is to really sort of have some transparency with regards to sort of what does this look like? What are the impacts of these particular products? And then how can I see what the differences are to, to match a product with my own particular risk and return profile? Um, and so we're excited about this because we believe that this gives an opportunity for uh, retail investors, institutional investors, uh, we like to say whether you got 10 bucks in your pocket or 10 million, um, you can find products that sort of fit um, your particular um, you know, sort of ability to participate, but it also provides a way for us to really um, gather the information in place in a single place where people aren't hunting around spending um, loads of hours uh, trying to compile this information. That's amazing. Is this the Ask Sustainable platform? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, and, and, and really was to the question that you talked about, which is which is really sort of, you know, how do you get out of sort of the, the questions of ESG, non politicize it? And in a way that basically says, does a product or does a financial product have an impact on the climate? What is it? And how do I compare that versus other products that I may look to put my money towards? Because I believe that I'm looking for a financial return and a product that doesn't. Um, 
harm or is neutral to the earth or to this planet that we share. Um, and so this, that's what we've done. Um, and we'll, we'll have that available um, uh, later this summer. Awesome. We'll keep an eye out for it. And I imagine this would also be a great tool to kind of sift through the greenwashing that's happening today, basically to provide more clarity within this whole debate around ESG, especially given the overwhelming number of options. How are you guys thinking about providing that kind of information and helping investors discern between different types of funds, investments, or projects without necessarily putting a stamp on things? We UU our role is is not to um to, is to provide as much transparency as we possibly can into this marketplace that is climate friendly products. So products that have been advertised as being, you know, beneficial to the climate, environmentally friendly, whatever. There, there there's the unfortunate part is um, there's there's you know a hundred different ways that these products are described. Um, and they all mean something slightly different. And so what we've done is to try to put these together in a way that provides some, um, some standards and some structure around it. Um, so, so all the products you'll see sort of lined up in the same way, right? The same type of information is provided. And we'll, our hope is that users and investors and people will be able to look at these particular products and be able to compare them. Um, and so it's not for us to tell, to tell, you know, we, we try our best not to um, get into the conversation about greenwashing. What we're trying to do is provide the information related to impact. Um, and so that we can align a particular financial product with its climate impact. And we can line product A with its financial, with financial and environmental impact. And we can line a product B with its financial and environmental impact. And therefore a user and an investor can look at those and to determine which one meets its best criteria. And also we, we use this platform to be able to also to um, gauge and gather whether sort of the rhetoric that's being used is matched by the actual data. So for us, we're really, we're focused on data and, and data and actionable data that allows an investor to be able to make a decision and to discern. So our hope is that um, what flows out of this is that, you know, sort of that, that you know, investors start to gravitate more to products that have a greater impact on the environment, whether it's a removal of CO2 or, you know, reduced emissions or other types of climate impacts um, that can be um, charted and, and, and analyzed and, 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 and and data provided, but really to think through sort of how we can do this in a much more um, analytical way, as opposed to which product is marketed better. We can, there. this is becomes a platform to look at the real true numbers of what's being utilized as opposed to just the, you know, who has the best marketing budget to market their particular products. That's amazing. And it's something that's absolutely completely useful for anyone in the industry right now. Um, everybody's so hungry for clarity and transparency. But I can also imagine that it must be hard today to build such a platform. So what are some of the challenges that come with this type of project? Data, 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 right? Um, no one, uh, you know, you know there, there are efforts uh, and we're starting with the United States first and then we'll be able to looking to, to broaden this um, internationally as well. Uh, but just access to data, um, it is, um, you know, what's disclosed uh, right now, there's sort of, you know, voluntary disclosure. Um, there is, um, you know, um, 
you know, the, the SEC has some proposed rules with regards to sort of um, disclosure related to uh, carbon disclosures um, that will be in, you know, impactful uh, for us to be able to gather the information that's necessary. Um, but then there's just disparities that exist with regards to sort of the different size of financial institutions. Um, so for instance, if you are a um, smaller bank that offers checking accounts, um, you may not have to disclose certain um, information like the number of users or accounts and things like that. And so what ends up happening is sort of our ability to provide sort of a standard calculation um, dissipates as a result of not having as clear of a view into the data for both large and small banks. Um, so let's say when we're looking at sort of checking accounts or other types of um, deposit type products. So there's some things that, that on the data side that are, that are challenging. Um, as I said before, no one, no two entities are right now quite saying it the same way. Um, so we've spent a lot of time going into the numbers to better understand. Um, you know, when it comes to calculations regarding to carbon, um, there are some who are looking to do actual calculations of uh, carbon emissions or carbon reductions. There's others who are using estimators. And so there's just not a cohesive way by which we're gathering the information, uh, or not a cohesive way, not necessarily on gathering information, a cohesive way of, of how we are um, defining the information and then being able to provide that um, to users in a way that we can compare you know, product A versus product B. So that's where we've been spending a lot of time and it's just really um, uh, sifting through all the information and data um, and really trying to build upon the work that other organizations and other initiatives have done, whether it's TCFD, whether it's uh, PCAF, um, when it comes to um, some of the uh, sort of uh, carbon accounting principles. So those are some of the things that we're building upon, but we still have a way to go because as you mentioned before, at the end of the day, um, we're trying to translate sort of carbon emissions data to what we're considering sort of the average, you know, investor, um, where um, the, the the term ton of carbon is really not accessible. Uh, we're trying to make it in a way to understand what does that mean to me in my life? Um, how, you know, is that number of cars that's taken off the road? Is that trees planted? Is that some other sort of type of calculation that makes sense to me um, as a consumer, as a investor? And so those are some of the things that we've been doing as well, is not only just getting the data, but making the data actionable and relatable, um, not just to professional climate investors, but for, you know, just the average investor who doesn't spend their life doing this, because we think that's the bridge. That's what we're trying to do here. We're, we're, we're trying to not to, to, to have sort of, you know, climate finance and climate financial products much more widespread, uh, mainstream, uh, mainstream um, and widespread and approachable in a way that accelerates the deployment of capital. So we can fund more things, we can finance more projects that have a benefit to the climate that we're sharing. And so part of this is being able to reduce some of the barriers that exist, both informational and then access as well. Considering all these moving parts, and as you said, the segmentation of the market, the regulation that's expected, the rising demand, etc. If you were to take an airplane view about our collective, I guess, endeavor on tackling this issue with regards to finance, capital and sustainable solutions, are you feeling hopeful? I'm extremely hopeful. Um, you know, I, I have the benefit um, of 
seeing this market and one of the first, you know, quote unquote green deals I did was over a decade ago when we sold one of the first green bonds in the US um, when I was in investment banking. And I remember at that point in time going to, you know, one of the sales and trading folks um, where I worked and said, you know, we should market this as a green bond. Um, and, um, you know, in, in no uncertain terms, you know, was said to me, no one's really interested in green bonds, right? No one, who, who would want such a thing, right? And that was, that was, that was a decade ago. Uh, we fast forward now, we're in a completely different place. Um, interest in ESG, climate-friendly, um, sustainable investing, sustainability just in and of itself uh, when it comes to consumer products, when it comes to environmental impacts, has grown um, quite tremendously. Um, and it will only continue to grow. And so the question for us and how we think about it is sort of what can we do to accelerate that growth? How do we think about really being impactful in a way that allows us to um, hasten this transition and to try to um, stem, you know, sort of the, the worst uh, effects of, of climate change? And so that I, I'm, I'm incredibly hopeful. I mean, I, I feel that we are doing our part and you are doing your part um, through these conversations and, and the work that you do generally of, of educating people, um, educating professionals in this particular space. Um, and I look at it as like, this is a, an extremely hopeful time. Um, I had a pleasure of speaking with a rising sophomore um, college student the other evening. Um, and we're having a long conversation about, you know, climate finance, what he wanted to do with his career and things like that. But one of the things he said is like, what can we do? It's like, if I could tell someone, you know, my neighbors what to do, you know, what should I do? Uh, and we had a long conversation about it. And, and while I won't reveal what I said to him, the thing is, is that he wants to go engage with his neighbors. He wants to go engage with his classmates. And so there's a whole generation of people who are engaging in this particular space, um, not just with their peers, but in their family units and also in their communities. And I think everything we can do to foster this engagement, uh, foster this interest and also provide platforms for people to be able to do this in real time and on these particular issues is incredibly important. And I think that's where we're at. So I'm incredibly hopeful, uh, you know, not, notwithstanding bumps in the road and ups and downs that exist um, with regards to questions around greenwashing and the ESG and XYZ, you know, you know, company fell out of an index or got, you know, notwithstanding all of that, I'm just looking at the trends from where we were a decade ago. We are so moving in the right direction. Only question is sort of how we get there faster. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I, you know, sometimes, um, I mentioned to our teams, like, you know, we run really hard, we run fast, but every now and again, you just need to look back from where you came from. Um, not as a sort of, you know, a moment to sort of um, relax, uh, but just to take stock and recognize how far we've come on this particular journey. And I have the ability to take a look back at where we were 10 years ago or 15 years ago in this particular space. And we're a completely different space now. We have different challenges, but I'm hopeful that um, there's a community of people um, and the overwhelming community of people on this planet want to do something about saving it and figuring out ways to do that. And we just, we like to say that, you know, um, there's change in your pocket uh, because we think that there really is. And so we just need to figure out how to help people unleash that change 
um, and we think through sort of the ability to finance and participate in financial markets is one of the clearest ways that we can do that as a community of people. To read the transcript of our conversation, head over to tearsheet.co. If you want to know more about the intersection of finance and sustainability, you can subscribe to our free green finance newsletter in your inbox every other week to get more insights and research into this topic. That's also where I'll be featuring every new green finance podcast episode. So sign up to stay up to date with all of our content. Thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe to the green finance podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll be out with a new episode every two weeks. So I'll see you at the next one.